Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that you are not only God, but you are our God. And Father, that you have invaded our life with your love and with your goodness, that you have changed us and you are at work in us still and that you do not cease to work, that you've begun a work and you are going to persist until that work is complete in us. And this morning, we desire that work to take place. Father, we are hungry for what you have for us, Lord. We are in need for what you are able to give. And we pray that we would strain to hear your voice, Lord, that we would lean into you this morning. And Father, that we would not only hear the things that you would speak, but Lord, we would allow them to shape our lives. Thank you for this morning and an opportunity to gather in your name, together to be encouraged and to encourage one another. Lord, may that all take place here, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here. It was great being away. Not that it was great being away from you, but it was a great time last week. I'll I'll share a little bit about La Paz and all that took place down there. Well, last week Michael was here, and what an incredible job Michael did. Um, Yeah, you can give him a hand. We really got to find a way for my sake and for yours to get him to be able to speak a little bit more um, because I'm always encouraged and touched as he speaks, and it was no different last week. It was just powerful uh, just dealing with that blind man and, and his desires and how God is able to meet the desires that are more than just the physical. It was a powerful message. But this week we are going to kind of jump into the Holy Week and we're going to be talking a little bit about just the triumphant entry or what's known as Palm Sunday. And if you can, open the copy of the scriptures to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 1, 21, verses 1 through 11. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and Gil can run one down to you. Everyone's got one. Otherwise, download it on your phone if you can or have it there handy. But, you know, Holy Week really is something that began in the third or fourth century. There were things that were taking place where people would gather to fast and pray before that. But the idea of Holy Week really started about the third or fourth century. And the idea is this triumphant entry into Jerusalem marked the beginning of the end to the beginning. It was Christ entering, fulfilling what the scriptures has said about the Messiah coming to Jerusalem. It would lead to his death that we acknowledge on Good Friday and then the resurrection which we acknowledge on Sunday. And even though it is a tradition that was kind of developed afterwards, and, you know, I don't want to blow it for anyone who loves Easter because I love the holiday, but Easter is actually an English transliteration of Ishtar, which was basically a Persian goddess of fertility and was celebrated by with eggs and bunnies. So it's not really, you know, it's like, oh, I liked Easter, I liked the eggs, but, you know, chocolate is brown and the cross was round, right? Isn't there some kind of connection we can make there? 
Well, the connection is something that takes place in our hearts. And even though we don't celebrate Ishtar, we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so it's an opportunity for us. And, and what happened was that Christianity was growing at such a rate that the governments of Rome could not stop it. And so if you can't beat them, join them was the kind of attitude that they had. And instead of joining them, they say, well, now they can join us because we're a part of them. And so we'll take some of these beliefs from these other religions that are pagan, but we're going to change them and make them our own. And so we're going to kind of conquer these beliefs and we're going to make them our own. But the events of Jesus going into Jerusalem really did happen. And it is something that is powerful, not only in what it contains, but in what it represents, I believe, for us. And so Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 1, says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Unite them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. First off, we see that Jesus has intention in what he's doing. That he has something in mind that needs to take place. We're going to see that it's going to be really a fulfillment of what the prophets have said. But this getting a donkey is something that also might have been part of his intention as far as there's someone who's prepared. I've gone ahead and said, hey, I'm going to have a donkey. Now, some people say, well, no, he just went and said, the Lord needs a donkey, and he did. That could happen. I mean, he went and got gold out of a fish. So it's not impossible. But I really think that there is intention taking place with Jesus where he is wanting something to take place, and he is making it happen that he has made preparations. And if this guy says, hey, why are you doing the donkeys? The Lord needs them. Because Jesus had been passing through this area quite a bit. And these small towns aren't huge cities. They're, They're small villages that Jesus would go to. And so he would go through this village and he'd go to this village and he would speak to the people and he became very well known. And so he says, the Lord needs them. They'll send them right away. Verse four, it says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. As Jesus had been moving from town to town, doing miraculous things, sharing 
things that had intrigued them in so many ways defying the tradition and religion they had been aware of where they would say, no one has ever spoken like this man. And the religious authorities who would be intimidating to the people were were not intimidating to Jesus. In fact, they would go to challenge Jesus so often and would leave licking their wounds because of his wisdom and how he had this incredible authority. That word spread, and pretty soon as he is entering into Jerusalem, there is a huge crowd who is aware of him. And as they are aware of him, they start shouting and they start giving this exclamation. They start laying these branches down, these leaves. And so that's why we call it Palm Sunday of putting this, these branches and even their cloaks, which is a sign saying we are here for you. You know, there is a story. I think it originated with a, a Sir Raleigh back in, in, in Europe who when Queen Elizabeth was walking and there was mud and he took off his cloak and he laid it over the mud and then she was able to walk on it so, you know, you, she wouldn't get her feet dirty. You guys have all seen that in cartoons or something, right? Where you lay the cloak over the mud. The idea is I'm going to give of what I have for you so that you're, I acknowledge you as a person and as a, an important person. That's really what's happening here. And it's not the first time that it's happened. This is something that signifies or is representative of royalty. It happened about 200 years earlier with Judas Maccabeus. And he had arrived in Jerusalem after conquering some pagan armies that were oppressing Israel. And they did the same thing. They they started laying out the palm branches, started laying out their cloaks, and they were acknowledging him as being someone who delivered them. But here with Jesus, it's not a conquest of military power. Here is someone who they hope will deliver them from the oppression of Rome. And it's something that was foretold in Zechariah, that your king is going to come, but how he comes is important because he doesn't come on, on a stallion. He, he doesn't come as a conqueror. He comes actually humbly on a donkey. Which is not how a warrior would come. But it, it is how someone who is bringing peace would come. And this is telling because... We call this the triumphant entry. Because here's Jesus being acknowledged as Messiah, basically. Hosanna means save now. The son of David is a connection to that lineage and the Messiah coming through that lineage. So save now, son of David. An acknowledgement, but we know the story. We know that it's not going to be many days later that there is going to be the crucifixion. And so it's hard to understand this as a triumphant entry when there's going to be death just a few days from here. And Jesus is aware of this death. He's aware of what's going to take place. 
and there's this humility and there's this awareness that is surrounded by this, quote, triumphant entry. You know, people turn to God notoriously when there's something that they need very badly. You've got a a crowd of people really wanting a Messiah to deliver them. You've got all these people who are expecting and wanting this, this Jesus, this son of David, to do something for them. But he's not coming with that kind of power. He's not coming to do what they want. He's coming to do something more. And so many times, you know, we want God to do something for us, but what we want isn't what we need. And their desire would satisfy certain longings that they have, but their desires for this Messiah would not satisfy the brokenness that they had. In fact, they weren't even aware of this brokenness. Yesterday, I did a lesson out in Orange County. And when the woman called and talked to me, it was uh, probably a week and a half ago that I talked to her and set up the lesson. She says, I've got a boxer and he's aggressive and he attacks men. Good, sounds fun. So we need help because, you know, he's tried, he's gone out, he's bit the UPS guy, he, you know, he's gone out and he's bit these people, and I'm like, okay, sounds fun. And so, yeah, I, I go there and I knock on the door, ring the doorbell, open the door, and this 85 pound plus boxer, he's huge, he's huge, his head's huge comes running out at me. He's not on a leash. He's just coming at me. He just comes and he just puts his head in my groin and just like, okay, I'm just letting you know I'm here. And I'm standing and my mind is going, yeah, I have a dog who doesn't like men. And here he is. And I'm like, okay. And and so being a, a dog trainer, I know how I'm supposed to react. I'm not supposed to be afraid, you know. Don't be afraid. I'm un- I'm okay, you know. And the dog just starts nudging. He starts bumping me with his head, and he starts looking at me, and he starts doing the mad dogging thing with me. He's mad dogging, and so you're not supposed to look at them unless you want to fight. I don't want to fight right now. I'll fight later, but not right now. And so I'm ignoring him, basically. I'm pretending like he's not there, but he's not going away. He's standing right there. And then the husband starts taking the dog, gets the collar. Oh, it's okay, Zach. It's okay. And he starts petting him and starts trying to pull him away. But Zach is not having it. He's like, I'm here to guard this house, buddy. Get out of my way. And he's just petting him, petting him. And finally, I said, here, why don't you put this leash on him and let's take him inside the house. You know, he takes him inside the house. And I say, excuse me, can I use your restroom? I need to... Change my clothes right now. No, I didn't say that. But as he takes them inside and he has them on the leash, I I start telling him, you know, I, I know you love your dog, but do you see what just took place? Because, oh, he's just like that, you know, but you never know what he's going to do. I go, well, that's not comforting. You know, I go, what happened is your dog just came, asserted himself, established himself as 
whoever comes in this house has to come through me. And what you did was reward him for that. You started petting him and encouraging him. And so you're wondering why your dog is going after people. It's because every time he does, he gets rewarded. You see, what you need to do is stop petting your dog when he's not behaving well. You have to change your behavior because what you think your dog needs is really what's causing the problem. And so we went through some things and the training worked out well. I didn't get bit. And then the dog actually started submitting and started saying, okay, I'm not the boss. I guess you guys are the boss. My whole world has changed. And you know, that is what the dog needed. Because the dog was so filled with anxiety, so filled with worry, feeling that he had to take charge of whatever came around that house. He almost broke their front window trying to get outside just to the mail truck that was driving by. Because he's so fearful that everything seems a threat to him. And once we took that role of the leader and let him know we're in charge, everything changed. In fact, the gardener, who is like public enemy number one for the dog, came to the door, and they're like, okay, here's the big test, here's the big test, you know, and I'm like, okay, so now I've got the leash, and now we're working with Zach totally differently, and so now they open the door, and you could see Zach sees him. It's him, you know, whatever the guy's name is. It's like, ah, and he starts to go, and so I give him a correction with the leash. And he's like, what? And he stops, and he's like, you mean I can't go eat the gardener? And it's like, no, you're not allowed to go after the gardener. You're under my rule now. And then this metamorphosis takes place and it's great when it does and it's scary when it doesn't but most of the time it does where the dog starts to say well if you're in charge i just need to worry about you and i don't need to worry about them and pretty soon zach is laying sprawled out on the ground just exhausted and they're like he never does this he never does this he he never just lays down especially if someone's here it's like, well, that's because he's exhausted because we've made him think and he's not worrying about everything because all he has to do is worry about the leader. So now he can relax. And what Zach needed more than anything else was not to be let go and sniff and, and take charge. What, what Zach needed, the dog Zach, more than anything else was to surrender and give his authority over to someone who knew the situation better than him. And by doing that, he was able to stop being so anxious. See, the the people thought what they needed was a conqueror, someone to, to deal with them. But what they needed was someone who could conquer what was taking place inside them because the threat wasn't Rome. The threat was themselves. The enemy wasn't this government, the enemy was taking place inside of them. And the battle that really needed to take place had to be conquered differently. And so this triumphant entry begins with a celebration, but we know down the line that it's going to end in crucifixion before it even goes to resurrection. 
And Jesus is aware of this. And what we start to see here in this humility and how he enters, he's not going to to take charge. He's actually going to sacrifice of himself. He's going with their interest in mind and not with his own. And we start seeing one of the things that Jesus constantly talked about. If you want to be great in this kingdom that I'm a part of, then you need to be the servant of all. I I tell you, if we would learn that, if we would learn that in our, our families, if we would learn that, that that takes place even in our situation of work, it doesn't mean that you're stepped on or you're abused, but it means you're there for the benefit of others. If if we would do that in our communities, if we would do that here in in this community of Genesis and realize, well, I come here just to get something. Well, if you would recognize the purpose of your life, of my life, if we want to be a part of this kingdom that Jesus is a part of, we don't come to be served, but we come to serve. And if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you'll be the servant of everyone. Which is kind of what we did with the word and deed as we went out and we served coffee and food to these people. What we're doing is saying, you're of value to me. I will take my time. I will take my resources. I will give them to you because I think you're important. And if we could convey that message, and and I think it was important that that gentleman, Rick, that I was talking about, you could tell he was distant. He was like, yeah. And then he would walk away. He would take it. Thanks. You know, he's polite. But he was like, you're here for something else, aren't you? You have other motives. And no, we're here for you. We're here because you're important. And that's something that Jesus was constantly trying to teach. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 1. This is something that David Arcos shared with us on the creativity tour that we were at. That I thought was very powerful. Luke 10, verse 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Sounds encouraging, doesn't it? Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. So what aren't you supposed to take? A purse, right? What else? Sandals? A bag. A bag which would hold money. So you're not supposed to take a purse where you would hold money, a bag or your wallet, or sandals. Why? Why can't you take your shoes? What's with the shoes? How do you feel when you leave home and you forget your purse or your wallet? Panic, right? Oh, no. I remember I left my wallet at home and I was in Orange County and I was doing training all day. And it's like, I have no money. Oh, no. 
I'm hungry. But I had my cell phone and I had my Starbucks card on there, so I was able to go and get it. Okay. But they had no purse, no wallet, no bag, no shoes. What do you think he's trying to tell them? Why is he making them leave all this stuff? What position is he putting them in? Needy. I want you to go and I want you to go in need. I want you to go and be dependent on them and what they can give you. Isn't that crazy? And he goes on, he says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If any, if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. He's saying, I want you to go in this position of dependency. I want you to go in a position where you need from them. You see, we've got it in our minds that we are going in a position where we're here to give. And if we can put the right thing together, we're going to give and we're going to give and we're going to give. And if we give enough, then maybe people will, will come and be a part of it. But Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to go and be in need. Because if you're in need, you'll find them who really want to give. One of the things that took place last weekend on this trip that we went to in La Paz, and for those of you who don't know, we are a part of a church that is starting up there in La Paz. And so this was to help them, to boost them. Eight of us from Genesis and, and two more from a Mosaic in Hollywood came and went down there. And then they had about 10 or so people that were part of their group too. And I remember talking to Brenda because Brenda's five months pregnant and she's the one who's going to be interpreting. And this event started at six in the morning and ended at about 10 at night. And she was going to be interpreting the whole day. And I said, you know what? You should get a hold of someone. Ask some of your friends, people who don't go to church, who don't know the Lord, and ask them if they'll interpret for you. And so she did. She asked two friends who spoke very good English. One of them was a child of a professor, two professors, and he lived in Ohio. The other was an exchange student who lived in Wyoming, and they both spoke English better than me. And they were there. And the reason they came was because Brenda said, can you help me? And just by her asking them for help, they showed up and they stayed there the whole event, even though they didn't really need to do much interpreting. In fact, one of them came to the church meeting on Sunday and stayed with us all day. Stayed with us till, gosh, it was probably midnight or so when we finally stopped eating. Because we needed their services, they actually felt important. And what we saw is they actually wanted to help. And so here comes Jesus. He doesn't come as a conqueror. He comes humbly on a donkey. He, he tells his disciples, when you go, don't go with anything. Go. The only thing you're to go with, with is with a need. You need help from these people. 
And if they will help you, then you can also bring your peace to them. If they won't, then your peace can return to you. I wonder if we've become so dependent that this idea of humility is escaping us. This idea of being people who are in need is something that makes us feel less than, makes us feel inferior. And so we shun that kind of thing. I don't want anyone to think, I don't need anything. And this is something that I struggle with. I don't like to tell people my needs. I, no, no, I don't want people to, you know, cater to me, especially because I'm in this role of a pastor, because I've known other pastors who have used their role to kind of get things from people. And, and I don't want to be seen in that way. But there is a humility that I have to acknowledge is, is an important thing and an important quality. And I do have needs. And I'm not talking about just monetary needs. I, I, I suffer with depression. I get depressed. I get discouraged. I get discouraged a lot. I, I look at things that are happening or what I'd like to see happening. And then, you know, if someone leaves Genesis, I take it personal. Whether it was personal or not, it's like, why'd you leave me? When people don't come, I take it personal. You think, I was just tired, I just slept in. I'm like, why weren't you here? Don't you like me? Maybe it's not that bad, but it's important to me. And so I, I go through these mental things and I think about these things and I just internalize them. I just hold on to them and I just hold on to them and I just, and then one day my wife asks me something. I go, I don't know. Just leave me alone. You know, I explode. I don't do that that often, really. But what happens is we start to lose the fact that we are actually created with need and we need each other to help us. And the needs that we have might not be something that we're thinking of, might not be the material things that we desire. It might be something deeper and more important. And so one of the things I, I just in putting this together and since I came back from La Paz and just mulling over some of these thoughts, I need God's help to know what we need to do. And, and I've known that. It's not like I haven't acknowledged that. And, and it's not like I, I don't pray, but I want us as a community to get together and pray. And so throughout every Monday in April, there's going to be a time of prayer at 7 o'clock at the building. I know the third um, Monday is the moms in prayer. But we're going to meet tomorrow at 7 o'clock I'm going to be there if you want to come come on down. We'll be there the next Monday. The Moms in Prayer will be the third, and then we'll be there the next Monday as well. And I don't have any idea or agenda of what we're going to be praying for. All I know is I need to pray and ask God to help direct this community so that we can be effective, so that we don't lose our steam, so that we don't lose our vision, so I don't lose my strength and courage so that those who are serving, you know, there are people who get up early every Sunday and have been doing it for years to set up chairs, set up sound, to do all these things. And it gets exhausting. And I want to pray for them. 
I want to pray that more people would help and come and support them. I want to pray that we become a people who are in need and acknowledge it. And we'll actually take that need to the world around us. Because as they did this, we see that this was Jesus's methodology, if you will. That this is how he moved his church forward is without shoes, without a purse, without the money, dependent on those around them. And by doing this, he changed everybody. And so here, this triumphant entry has got kind of a hollow ring with that name because it's triumphant in the area of humility. It's triumphant not by what's there, but by what is lacking, the pride that is lacking. It's triumphant because it comes with the attitude of serving and of giving. It's triumphant because it is changing the heart and the character of men and women. It's triumphant because it's not changing the landscape of what is and who is ruling, but it's changing the landscape of who we are as people. And if that changes, everything changes. When when I was doing the training with this dog, I said, you know, if we have his mind, we have him. If we can change the way he thinks about you and people, then we've changed everything. So I don't have to change the circumstances. We need to change him. Part of this event that we did in La Paz, it was meant to stretch you. It was meant to extend how you think. It was to engage your thinking. And I I can't justly give you an idea of all that took place in that time, but let you know that we plan on doing something like that and want to do something like that here uh, for our community. And so you don't have to travel down to La Paz, maybe something closer. But one of the things that it does is it pushes you to change how you behave so that you have to do more than you think you can. We even had to do exercises on the beach and all of us were sore the whole day. We're walking. Every time we take a step, ow, 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 we're just walking around. Like, thanks, David. I didn't realize it was going to be this. And so it was, it was pushing us and it was uncomfortable for us to have to do this. And it was uncomfortable in a lot of ways. And, and some of the people who went, it was very uncomfortable to have to think about the things that we were asked to think about, to have to write something about themselves and to disclose something about themselves, not publicly to everyone else, but to acknowledge it in themselves. And it was something that was very difficult. And just being put in this position, some had a very hard time just recognizing this and doing this, so much so that they were actually angry about the situation. Like, I I didn't want to be in this. I didn't expect this. I didn't know this was going to ask this of me. But then something happened. Something changed in them because they started to see themselves more clearly. And they started to recognize important things within themselves that they had just ignored. I don't have to acknowledge that. I don't have to deal with that. But it's a part of your life. And there was this change that took place when they actually started to own these stories that are there in their lives and started to recognize these 
places where they were not free because of all that is whatever going on in their lives and the desire, I want to be free. I want to step into this, that it became just revolutionary to them. In fact, the ones who resisted the most were the ones who got the most out of it. Isn't that amazing? And isn't that what happens to us? It's in our need that God shows up. It's when we, we're fighting so much against that. It's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. That we finally realize, I really need to. And, and we fight against it. And it happens in so many areas of our lives. It happens in areas in our relationships with our husband or our spouse. There's some point of contention. Contention, that, that point of contention is the point of opportunity where you get to change who you are and become someone else, but you have to meet it there in the contention. It happens in areas of addiction. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. I don't want to give it up. Here is where your battle is, and this is where the victory is won when you surrender your inability to the one who has the ability And it is in those places where we are weak that he is strong. It is in those places where we acknowledge the need, where we have the brokenness that we find the healing. It is when we go without shoes that we get the supply and the kingdom of God grows. It is when we serve that we find that we are really the ones who are being served. In Hebrews chapter 4, bless you, that was a small little sneeze. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't have a high priest who cannot empathize with our weakness because it was in this weakness that he became the conqueror. It's going to be the same in your life and in my life. You will find that it is going to be through weakness that God brings you strength. And that might be a hard thing to embrace because we don't like being weak. It's very uncomfortable. I don't like it when I'm vulnerable. I don't like it when people see me as weak. I don't like it when I'm in need, but you are and you just don't know it. You are broken and you don't realize it. You and I need so much help. If we will not cry out for it, we will not receive it. But if we will cry out, we have a high priest who empathizes with us, who is able to give us grace in that time of need. But what we need to recognize is that I am need. And guess what? Our our king, he's come lowly, humbly. He is our king and he's come to serve and he's come to go to the cross and that cross is going to be our salvation. 
And it is our salvation, not just in what he did for us. It is our salvation in the example he has shown for us. That it is through this humility, it is through this serving, it is through this sacrifice that we actually find our wholeness. We keep trying to eat that which is not bread and quench ourselves with what is not water. And he's saying, how long will you buy what isn't bread? Come to me. And when will we wake up and say, this life, I'm living. Something's missing. And I can't seem to fill it. And recognize the answer isn't by doing more. It's by needing more. It's not by becoming a better person. It's by owning who you are. And letting God meet the need that is there. Because God wants to meet the need. Maybe we have to take our shoes off. Maybe we have to take our wallet out and put it down. We have to take all the things that we look at as values to us. And we have to say, okay, I come here in need. I come here in humility. And that's exactly where God shows up. And he wants to. And so I pray that we would let him. Let's pray. Lord, as you moved with intention to the cross, Father, it was through your giving that we've received life. And if we are going to recognize the life that we were intended to live, if we are going to attain that life, it is going to come through sacrifice. It is going to come through humility. It's going to come through being people who need. And that will move us to maturity, to growth. And Lord, I, I pray that you would move us to this area of maturity, that we would recognize the need. You know, as everyone is praying, I know that this week has been very difficult one for me and just a lot of things that had to take, take place with the trip in La Paz and with work and Easter coming up. And it's been taxing on me. But what it's done for me is it's pushed me to my knees and said, you need help and you better ask. And I think there are some here who, who need to ask. And so if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you recognize that there is maybe pride in your life or, or there is 
a need to surrender more in your life and you recognize that now, would you stand with me just as we're here as a declaration of God, we are here and we're going to take off our shoes and we're going to leave the wallet. And maybe there are some of you who are here who have not made a commitment to Christ. You believe in God, but you're not sure about Jesus and Maybe what needs to happen is you have to recognize that your need is going to be met through Jesus and and what he has done for you. That the need that you have really is about accepting what he can give to you. And if you'd like to make that kind of uh, recognition and declaration that you, you need Jesus, would you stand up also with us? I just want to pray for all of us who are here. Father, you see the need. Lord, we are your children. And Lord, you empathize with our weakness because you have gone through the things like we have. And Lord, what we need in this time is grace your mercy. We need your life to strengthen us. We need you to strengthen us. And so I pray for everyone who is here, who has stood up and who has taken off their shoes and has put their money aside and said, God, I I come to you with nothing to give, but with everything to receive. Lord, may we receive that grace in this time of need. And I thank you for being there, for being available for being a God who cares, who sees, and who has humbled himself as an example for us. He came a servant. Lord, to give us value. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord in one last song and Alex will dismiss you. In the